0: Hey, and welcome to Product Journeys. I'm Frank Gleisner.
1: And I'm Lachlan Robertson. We're both product owners stumbling our way through our product journey. We're out to meet amazing product people and learn a bit more about their skills and their experience.
0: Today, we get to talk to someone who knows Xero pretty well, Chloe Kirk-Smith. Chloe is a product owner based in Wellington who loves a succinct customer problem. She's been at Xero for over eight years on both the go-to-market and product teams. Prior to Xero, she was a chartered accountant at one of Xero's first large partner firms. She's been the customer, sold to the customer, helped onboard new customers, and now helps to build products and features our customers love. She's watched Xero grow and loves how the business is constantly evolving and trying to be a better version of itself. Chloe, welcome to the podcast. It's really nice to have you along. Recommended. (laughs) I guess we can start off with your background.
2: Yeah. So I've been at zero for eight years now. But prior to that, I was an accountant, but I have had three career breaks because I have had three children in my time at zero. Before that, I was an accountant. So that's definitely how I ended up here for sure. I began my career as an accountant at a firm which was a stone's throw away, I guess, from the Wellington office. We were one of the first big firms that Zero had convinced to join Zero um so yeah definitely location was a factor but my first day as an accountant i remember i got given this folder and it was like one of those massive ring binder folders with a whole lot of bank statements in it i remember them very clearly they were westpac bank statements There was about three or four hundred pages of one year so this is bank account statements for one year of a concrete company in wellington And my first job as a grad accountant was to manually, I had the list of chart of accounts printed off. This was pre-zero. So I had the list of chart of accounts printed off and I had to manually handwrite every single chart of account code on every single bank statement line. So I did that. And then the next step was to manually key that data into this system which was it was nyob but it was a super old accountants version desktop based and it was just soul destroying and i remember thinking oh my god what have i done like i've been at uni for four years and this is is this accounting like um <laughs> it was so awful so i did that and it took two whole weeks to enter a year's worth of bank statement data And you'd have to, I remember you had to manually check the balance on the bank statement at the end of each page. And so it was kind of like the reconciliation point in time, right? And if you'd missed a line, you'd have to go back and find which line you missed out. So you'd key in the chart of account code number and the bank statement amount and so by the end of it there was balances going to bank fees or general expenses to, to make the gap so the accuracy of these people's accounts was definitely not there so that was my introduction to accounting and it did get better from there and I did learn the ins and outs of how businesses work and it was amazing but you can imagine the delight the following year when that business was on zero and the bank reconciliation process which i don't think we would have had a direct feed but we would have had a csv of the accounts reconciling the banks to get the data in there took two hours as opposed to two weeks the year prior so it was just an amazing introduction for me of how technology can be so efficient right and what Mm. xero was doing was really amazing so yeah that was how i first started using xero as an accountant how we long a, were you an yeah. accountant for so was like three years
1: okay yeah, three cool.
2: years before i got swept up into zero it was over those three years that the firm i was at converted all the clients across to zero thanks to some uh very convincing sales work by the legend Lar- larissa paris who was the wellington account manager and yeah so i got quite involved on the accounting firm side of converting all the clients over to Xero because that was a bit more interesting than doing the actual accounting. And to thank me and another person who ended up with Zero at Zero, Bailey Brooks. We got to go to XeroCon in 2012. And cool. it was at that point in time that the part I was already I'd already said that, you know, I wanted to go to London and do my O.E. And one of the partners introduced me to Rod and said, Chloe wants to go to London. And Rod said, Great, you can work for Zero. And that was, I don't want to say it was easy as that, but it almost was like back then.
0: When you're just in and.
2: Yeah, down. it was quite different to the interviews we make people do now. But I remember I did do a Skype call with the UK team from a backpackers in Vietnam on my way to London. And by the time I landed in London, I had a job at zero, which was awesome. Doing the same thing. Um, that I did in the accounting firm of converting across all the client accounts over to zero. I was on the zero side, what we now call partner consulting, helping you know, the sales team would go on and do the sale, and then the partner consultants come in after that and actually tell the, the accountants how to convert the clients across. So that was how I began. And it was pretty cool back then. I think I was employee number 50 in the UK and about 500 globally. we were just doing whatever we could to convert clients. And there weren't those amazing tools that the practice team in Auckland have now built to automatically convert clients across. A lot of it was very manual. And then I got very drawn into the sales process, kind of like the pre-sales. I liked convincing the partners at the accounting firm of why Zero is so good and that felt really easy for me because I had had that first world experience, I guess, of seeing the benefits of zero. So, yeah, so it was the sales side was kind of easy, and I loved that. Yeah, but then I had a baby, <laughs> and my world changed. I and mean, we came back to New Zealand, and there was no sales team in Wellington. And so I talked to Penny Wildish, who is now my manager, about a role in product as a product owner, and. At the time, I thought, oh, I can't join the product team. Like, I know nothing technical. And they said, but that's the point. We want you right here while we're building this stuff so that we can build the right thing. And that was kind of how I fell into product. And it's been a good journey so far. I started in the sniper team, which some of the older Zero Product peeps will remember. It was kind of like the dumping ground of all the bugs for every single product, (laughs) as well as little quick fixes And so I had to like sift through those feature request pages and I very quickly learned how to prioritize and balancing all of those noisy, noisy customers that wanted wanted things done right now, as opposed to what was going to give us the most value longer term. And then I had another career break because I had another baby and I came back to a much bigger project, which was so different, which didn't quite see the light of day. And so unfortunately we got pivoted. To a feature, and it was about the same time I got introduced to the world of human centered design. And the way I approached this new feature, which ended up being Business Snapshot, in comparison to how we approached the project, was like night and day. And we just got off to such a good start. Then I had another baby, <laughs> so I had to leave. I'm not having any more. <laughs> and I've um, come back back to the snapshot teams now it's a very mature team and things kind of just roll off quite nicely so yeah and that's that's where we're at today
1: for those of us who aren't familiar with what the snapshot team does what what is the the product yeah
2: (laughs) yeah it's a single page of how your business is performing in a visual context we found that Clients, but you'd give them this whole set of financial reports and they would sometimes not even take them out of the packet, um, but sign the bits they needed to and that was it. And some of the reasons for that is that it's really hard to understand a whole list of numbers for a lot of people. Accounting can be quite complex. And so we were wanting to make the accounting more approachable, which Zero's has done it across the board for sure. But yeah, trying to put your financial results into a visual format, into a business snapshot.
1: I like that. I, throughout your transition to where you are now, I see having expertise as an accountant. Yeah, is that something that you have found really useful in your day-to-day job? And I guess the other thing that I'm interested in with the the human-centered design part of it, building empathy within yeah. your role and how you do that. Could you talk a bit more about that?
2: Yeah, I, I use my accounting knowledge every day in my role and the product roles I've been in have needing to have that knowledge so that absolutely has been helpful for me I know that there's been a plenty of successful product people at Zero who have not had that background and we can definitely lean on um, BAs and people from CEX who have the knowledge as well but for me personally it's it's meant I can kind of jump ahead or I don't necessarily need to look up facts or kind of know I know the gist of it because I've been the customer and I've sold to the customer it's definitely helpful for sure yeah one of the the mindsets of human-centered design is empathy right and I can have empathy for the customer pretty easily because I've experienced it if you don't have that One of the best ways is doing the user research and talking to your customers. I can't kind of emphasize that enough, right? Use any opportunity you can. Doesn't necessarily need to be formal user research. Talk to people who are starting their own business. Any way that you can understand what their fears are and what's driving them is going to help you get your head in the game so that you can approach it from that direction.
0: I think we're having exactly that problem in our team at the moment around understanding the accounting side of things actually and so mm. as you say being able to jump ahead in that sense so trying to work out how maybe at zero we can share that knowledge a little bit more widely yeah it's really interesting a good
2: way also is to try and do the bookkeeping yourself for a business even if it's just like sending invoices you kind of learn how Xero works and how tricky it can be. Some of our user flows are so disjointed (laughs) and that's because we all work very independently now. Being an accountant, I often get asked to help people out with their books. (laughs) I'm getting better at saying no to that these days, but back in the day, apart from my sister's Pilates business, that's a hard one to shake. But I have done treasury roles for sports clubs and stuff like that. There's so many small businesses out there. Surely you know one, so try and get in there and help them out.
1: I think for me, one of those interesting things within the product role is how do you <laughs> get closer to the customer? Sometimes and oftentimes, doing it yourself isn't <laughs> that best way. Absolutely. So, I
2: like yeah, that. I used to even run my own like family books from like I used to create a zero account and reconcile my my own bank account transactions. I think I told the sales team when I was training the sales team in the UK to do that to learn how to use it and then I was like oh I better do it myself <laughs> Got to and the then walk. I figured out how much money I spent on coffee in the UK and I stopped doing that <laughs> nice
1: personal finance it's, it's fun uh, yeah. one of the things you talked about before as well was selling zero in those early yeah. days what yeah. were some of the key things or the challenges that people found with like adopting a product like zero at the start
2: I guess it would be totally different to the challenges we have now, because that was seven years ago. And there was really interesting ones in the UK. There was lots of security talk, I remember. You know, it was the whole thing of going from desktop-based to cloud. So we were constantly asked, where are your servers? Is it safe? Who can hack it? So that that was kind of an interesting angle that I wasn't aware I'd get quite a lot when I went over there. But just the time savings of bank feeds and bank reconciliation was enough to to tip them it was so it was a pretty easy sell i remember i went into this place and what's it called Southend on sea it's like at the end of the thames and it's i'm not going to say a grim place but not a lot goes on <laughs> South say <laughs> okay okay maybe that's safe to say and i remember going to this accounting firm which was up above the pub or some like high street shop Well, all the high streets look the same and there was just paper and boxes everywhere like I was like how can you even function and you you tell them to hook up a bank feed and everything's in there and you're not going to have to deal with all of this because they were just amazed at what their future was like some of them were terrified because we were automating their work and there was a lot of that of what am I going to do for the other two weeks that I used to spend The fees that I would charge that client for processing all their bank statements, manually keying everything in, what am I going to do with that time now? Because I can't necessarily charge on charge that. And so it was a really, I think, uncomfortable time as Accountants Trends kind of morphed into the online world and being more efficient. And we're really hard on trying to encourage accountants to do advisory or um, do more for your clients. Actually give them some financial advice. Don't just process their compliance, their tax returns. And some accountants didn't actually know how to do that. They didn't have the skills for that. So it was a really scary thing. And yeah, still a journey that a lot of firms, I think, are still on for sure.
1: I guess the part when an industry changes or is innovated on, there's always going to be some change to... To deal with or process through.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: Switching gears a little bit, uh, imagining maybe it's for a birthday party for one of your kids. Uh-huh. How do you describe what you do? What is product to you?
2: It's a tricky one, hey? And I think I have changed my view on it. I think in the early days, I would say that I was the non technical person in this technical space, making sure that we're building the right thing. So I normally go down that sort of path, but I think in my mind now that I'm always balancing those three things, the desirability, the feasibility, and the viability. How can I nudge all of those things on a little bit more to make sure that everything's in balance and we are solving the right problem the right way? Feasibility, desirability, and
0: viability is one of the tools that you've used. Are there other product tools or frameworks that you go to?
2: yeah I think there are heaps right and there's so many good ones and there's so many cool new ones to learn which is another thing I love about this space is that you can't clock it you know like it's always it's the game that just keeps on going but one of them is definitely the how might we process that's the way I've had some successes I think of kicking off projects of doing a round of user research and then all getting in a room and being really deliberate on the way you phrase things so there's something really restrictive about the phrasing of sentence like how might we solve this problem for our customers could be like how might we solve allowing the customer to select the date on the page it just really makes you frame it from the customer's perspective and i think that's really important so um that one's a good one and also a really good one in terms of kicking off a project as well because some of them are like, how might we, and they're really obvious. So it's like, yeah, we know the answer for that. One time we flipped that to now we can. So all the how might we's we were super confident on, we put them on a scale of confidence, and the ones that we were like, yeah, let's just do it, we rephrase those as now we can, and that formed the backlog for the dev team. And then we prioritised the how might we's of which one's the most important to resolve um, next and that kind of formed the discovery backlog which I worked on with the design team so that was a really nice quick way to get going and then quickly looping back on what you've learned was really important so I've That's awesome. no?
0: I've just learned about that and I think oh, cool. flipping it around to now we can is, is such a nice way yeah it's really nice I just hadn't heard of that before so
2: cool and the other one is is a mindset thing which is a human-centered design one of trusting the process even when it's uncomfortable you never know exactly where you're going and the best innovation happens if you don't get to the solution too quickly and I think in product, we're often the person that they look to for stability and particularly when things are going wrong like you've got to trust the direction that you're going in and that it's going to be okay your project is going to go up and down and you've got to be okay with that it's not going to be linear you are going to have the ups and downs but It's keeping your cool (laughs) through the ups and downs. And I think in product, we're in that space where we've got to be that solid voice and we've got to guide the team and make sure they don't lose it and trust the strategy. And that comes back to communicating the strategy as well. We've got to be really clear and deliberate in our communication.
1: Totally agree. So you talked about the how might we forming your discovery backlog and you mentioned that was yourself and your designer's primarily work mm. on the discovery work and then I'm assuming that now we can is your delivery backlog with your development team is that right yeah is it like how does the I guess the cross pollination between those two things work when does something migrate from that discovery backlog across
2: yeah the, something sure we've been doing dishes. recently which has been successful in our team is design loops. so the designers and I and whoever else the researchers or architects or whoever else we need we'll go away and try and push things forward. And when we get to a point, we think We've, we're kind of on the right track here. We'll do something called a design loop where the designers will lead the dev team through what we're thinking or possible options that we're considering to get their feedback. And there's, at an early point before we've locked in designs, I've also done things of testing designs with the sales teams around the world as well. We've got all of these amazingly knowledgeable people in the company now who know their market so well. So I've used that as well to test designs before they're good to go and before
1: we'll release. One of the places that I've heard the how might we statement before is in design sprints. Is that a yeah. thing you use? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I've done design sprints. We challenged ourselves one project at the start of Snapshot to build a working prototype and test it within three weeks because it's at that point in time we were given a six-month deadline before Product Ladder was going to release. And so we were super tight on time, but we did it. The, the dev team was super creative in the way that we could solve it, and we tested it. That's Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> you talked about
0: using... To zero network and i'm interested in how you would go about that as somebody saying new to zero or i guess a po is yeah maybe not so well i don't know i don't know where the titles make a difference but it can be a bit scary sometimes
2: yeah i get that hey and that's a that's a real challenge and for someone like myself who has been here a long time and knows the teams and kind of knows the lay of the land a bit it is much easier and that shouldn't be that way right i don't have a great answer for that i There's like the AU Champs Council, which is a team in the sales team in the UK who are all ex-accountants or have got a real interest in product. They're awesome. Anyone with the job title pre-sales, I've hit them up. (laughs) I didn't know that existed. Yeah. And if you're building something for a specific market, then hopefully you're pretty looked into at least the product marketing and from product marketing, you should be able to get to the sales team. I guess that's that's probably the correct way
0: back in the day
2: pre-sales sorry pre-sales are the people who are really knowledgeable on the product and help the sales team sell the product okay yeah so i was i think i was one of the first pre-sales i think yeah i was the first pre-sales specialist now we have pre-sales teams all over the world yeah it's crazy huh it's a different world
1: Throughout your journey, eight years at Zero thus far, what have been some of, I guess, the the biggest lessons that you've you've learned? Um, or...
2: Oh wow, I've had some fails, like some really big ones. Um, <laughs> know, maybe I'll tell you about over a bear sometime, but I think <laughs> I think a lot of them have come back to poor or miscommunication not knowing everything you need to know at the right time or the or the right people, knowing the right information. And I think in product, it's our job to take, take everyone on the journey. And sometimes it can be really hard because there's a lot of people on the journey and some people need to be in and out of it at different times. And we've got great things like the Zero Product Framework and stuff now, which help to identify who those people are at the right point in time, which is obviously born out of, you know, lessons learned in the past right so yeah communication's definitely a, a big one for me to always be on and i'll never get it perfect but i'm always trying to be better
1: communication is obviously a pretty broad like are there any specific things that you found that worked well
2: i think it's tailoring your message for different different people right what you need to do to get the team on board and behind the problem is quite different to what a room of gms want to know or egms want to know about when you're going to deliver this and how you're going to do it and why it matters and how much it's going to cost so being really aware of who the person is that you are wanting to bring on the journey and you need them and what they want to hear what motivates them is really important when you're talking to the sales teams for example they don't really care about all the details of every pixel they just want to know how they're going to sell it and what it's going to mean to their commission because that's what motivates them. It's definitely been something that I've I've tried to get better at over over the years, and it's different. Like we're a totally different company now than what we were back when I started. So always definitely. changing, always, always learning. Mm-hmm. And we've
0: talked, I guess, a little bit about different skills, but as a uh, yeah new PO, yeah. what do you think are some of the key skills? In that
2: role. If you're new to the product world, I think you should never hold back on what some people call the stupid questions or the dumb questions. I think that's kind of belittling. I would prefer to frame it as a clarifying question. Never hold back on the clarifying questions. And there's that that whole thing from the user research world of the five whys. And if you ask why five times, you get to the real heart of what the problem is. Never hold back on asking those clarifying questions because the odds are you're going to uncover something now which if you uncover in a few months time could be a whole lot more painful so that would be my top tip love it
1: be curious yeah um i am curious about what your biggest accomplishment has been so far no, I don't professional career.
2: <laughs> right. I honestly I don't really have a specific one. All I can say is just holding down a job when I've got three little kids. I'm um, like, gosh, sometimes it's just so hard to get out the door when um, <laughs> with all the sleep deprivation and all of that. So a huge shout out to all the product parents out there. The juggle is real. And particularly in the last couple of years. Yeah. So that's all I would say. Managing parenting and, and And product. I mean, I'm so grateful. I've got my job is kind of like an escape of using my brain in a different way, for sure. Mm. But yeah, that's my greatest achievement. I don't know if it's an achievement, but (laughs) definitely,
1: (laughs) it's 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 totally good. Uh, The the process, I guess, through having children and coming back in and out of the workforce, and especially in a product role like that, have there been any challenges within that, or, or parts that? you know you have oh that's a whole different podcast Lachlan yeah is that right sorry it's like our whole
2: (laughs) there totally has like yeah just to kick it off zero is different every time I've come back so there's been that and also the way we do product has been so different every time I've come back there's a new way to do things and then just the I've got this other human and other part of my life which is so important and so that was massive but we can move into the parenting podcast a different time
1: (laughs) 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 <laughs> I am interested from your, your answer there, the, like the different way that product happens.
2: Like, Yeah, what totally different. Like? When I started, we were already working in an agile way. So we'd, or I think we, Zero had just done that change when I came into the product world. So that was a bit fresh. But the way we've had things like agile coaches, that was a change probably after baby number two, I think. That was quite different. And the the whole way we do product discovery, but I guess it's different from team to team as well, right? And you have different people that come into your team and they teach you different things, which is awesome. It's such a moving profession. And there's so many new and exciting ways and tools and things like Miro, right? Which the first proper user research I did literally in the ground floor of Wellington, we had probably like 20 meters of wall of post-it notes and we manually moved them around. And I remember at the time we did a, a section of each person and then we manually grouped them and it took days, which now you can do pretty quickly in Mero, you know, in a couple of hours. So, the tools is totally different. I guess at the heart of it, we're, we're trying to solve the right problem at the right time. So that hasn't changed. But yeah, just the tools around it. And I think the people involved is different as well. We didn't use have user researchers, which was fine because I love doing user research myself. <laughs> um, but I definitely do it better now that I have professional people to teach me how to do it properly.
0: Yeah, it must have been just eight years of Zero's growth, I think would be so interesting to have seen through that time so yeah thanks for the insights i guess i would love to dive a little bit deeper but we will move on to the rapid fire questions so have you got a book or an article that you would recommend
2: yeah i love biographies i just love reading about people's lives and a couple that i've read recently was steve jobs as one over christmas and i mean a slightly interesting character and some really odd habits but just his insane dedication to beautiful experiences was something incredible way eh? like the inside of an iphone is laid out beautifully even though nobody sees it but he cares what well, he cared but um, yeah so that was a fascinating one in terms of beautiful products has always been something that zeros strive to achieve definitely relatable for us and the other one was shoe dog the guy who started nike
1: wow
2: God, like cash flow issues. (laughs) Um, They're just like the relentless pursuit to like get these shoes on runners feet. It was incredible. And the desire. So those are two. And then also um, the field guide to human centered design by IDEO. I read that about four or five years ago on a professional development day. And it's just such a good intro to human centered design. And I refer to it on the regular.
1: Definitely that one. There you go. Some great recommendations. Thank you. Podcasts. Do you listen to podcasts? And if so, would you recommend any?
2: Yeah, I have for the past few years always listened to the Business is Boring podcast by the spinoff. So he interviews lots of Kiwi startups or people in the New Zealand business industry. And it's just, I guess I listen to it for... The purpose of getting in the heads of people who are starting businesses and the pains they go through and they're never doing it for the money, right? They're just so passionate about what they're doing. So I love hearing those stories and product failures and how they got to product market fit. Lots of cool week zeros who have gone on to do startups as well. I just listened to the Sharesies one from Brooke Roberts the other day. So yeah, business is boring by the spinoff. Get in there.
0: Oh, love this one. So I'll be all over that one.
2: Yeah. What are you most grateful for? So much. But I think right now, just people like yourselves, right? Thank you so much for trying to develop the careers of people at zero. I think it's so amazing what you're doing. And we're just so lucky at zero to be constantly surrounded by so many smart people who have amazing skills. So definitely grateful for that. So keep up the good work, team. You're doing great.
1: Thank you. We're grateful to have guests like you on as well. So, <laughs> thanks for helping make part of this um, so awesome. It's a pleasure. Um, final question: Is there any other calls to action or uh, key takeaways that you'd have for the people listening?
2: No, nothing particular. Um, cool. All right. Yeah. So, stay curious. I think
0: is a good a good takeaway really. Oh, yeah. I reckon it's yeah. always going to stay with me. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chloe. Yeah, as can said, it's all because of people like you coming and chatting to us, so <laughs> that keeps us going.
2: Oh, um, thank you.
0: And it's so nice to hear all the different journeys and stories that we have. The range of people and product is pretty
2: phenomenal. So Yeah, really it amazing. is. Man, I'd love to get us all in a room sometime, right? I know. We, need the, we need the global product uh, meetup. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there, there you go. A product summit or something.
2: Yes, Cira. the you product know, summit. Yeah. Um, well, okay, I would that's support that. it's a good idea.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just Sounds kind of good. You know. We'll get right onto that.
2: <laughs> wait.